I believe, and there is some research to say, that people who have higher levels of emotional intelligence feel more comfortable with people making their own decisions because they trust that people know how they're most productive. And those that don't have those high levels of emotional intelligence perhaps go down the route of feeling like they need more control, they need more visibility. Welcome to Conversations That Matter, a podcast from Unifor. Here, we explore the latest customer experience trends, sales insights, innovations in AI and automation, and more with well-known thought leaders and industry experts. Tune in and join the conversation. Hey everyone, I'm Randy Sarr, host of the Conversations That Matter podcast, and I'm so glad that you joined us today. This is an awesome opportunity to learn all about emotional intelligence and how it can apply towards your job and make you 1% better. So today I've brought on an amazing guest. Her name is Sandra Thompson. Sandra, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited. I've got those sweaty palms and I can't wait to share a whole bunch of stuff with you. <laughs> it is uh, hot here in the, in the room that I'm in as, as well. Um, but you know what? This is going to be a fun time and... We want to make sure that uh, you know we uh, we share the wisdom uh, that you have over the over the years that you've been learning about EQ. So, for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, a whole bunch of things, really. Professionally, I guess the most important thing to know is that I started out in marketing. I'm actually a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Marketing. Uh, that's how long I was in it. Uh, and then when I was doing the marketing work, I suddenly thought, you know what? I think I ought to be doing something more customer. I was finding that while my team was doing some amazing work on talking about what customers could expect, the actual experience yeah. they were having wasn't quite, you know, wasn't quite the thing. So I left my marketing career and went into customer experience. Uh, but it's keen. The key point to make here is that I came across Daniel Goleman's book, the kind of controversial yeah. book about 25 years ago, and I did a master's degree. And at that point, I thought, you know what? There's something in this EQ thing that I don't know what it is yet, but I know there's something in it. Um, so I started so this doing is 25 years ago. Huh? Yes, I don't. I know I don't look or sound that old, but it really was a thing back then. Uh, how did you find it? I mean, how did you come up about uh, the topic and and I guess Daniel Goleman? It I, mean, was, I guess Amazon was still around then, so it might have been a top seller. Right? It was on the shelf in my sister's house, and I my eye was drawn to the title. You know, I can't remember the exact wording now, but it's something like, you know, it doesn't matter if you haven't got a high IQ, EQ could work, as I've got to read that. Uh, because I was just fascinated that there was still hope uh, on the whole IQ thing. And I just, I read it from cover to cover. And I thought, you know, I've got to think of something to do my master's dissertation on. What better topic than branding and EQ? Yeah. And so I've kind of followed Daniel Goleman ever since. I took his course. I, I was taught by him a number of years ago and became an emotional intelligence okay. coach. And I've also been teaching in a business school. So if you can imagine, I've been doing some customer experience and employee experience consultancy. I've been doing a bit of coaching. Yeah. But the key thing, really, Randy, is that I've been trying to keep learning because the neuroscience, the new news on neuroscience means that what we know about EQ is slightly different today. Uh, and the whole area of psychological safety, the whole area of, you know, what are we doing about remote and hybrid work when we look at 
things like empathy, adaptability, and all of that great stuff. So in a nutshell, started yeah. with marketing, worked in customer experience, did a course to become a coach, did a bit of teaching, woo, and now we're here. <laughs> Look at yourself. Awesome. Now that's a great career, and, and uh, definitely uh, we'll dive into it a little bit more uh, right about now. So let's get into some rapid fire just to get to know you a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> one of the things uh, that we love doing is just kind of like quick responses, whatever comes to your mind. Uh, so what's the one thing that you wish you knew when you started your career? Trust your instinct. There were a couple right, of times. Trust your instinct. I, That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple of times where I thought something isn't quite right here and I live to regret it. Yeah. Same. Same. Uh, city or country that you wanted to explore or vacation in? South America, Chile. Patagonia particularly, spent a couple of weeks there, then had to get a flight over to New Zealand. I know it sounds really harsh, right? But I really will go back there sure one day. <laughs> it's incredible. Oh, yeah. No, I haven't been. I've only seen documentaries. and uh, I've been down to South America, but not that far down. All right. Um, we asked this a lot on our podcast. If there was one voice that you would feel comfortable with that would kind of ease your your fears or your, your uh, the issues that you had by calling into a customer service line or call center, what voice would that be? It could be a celebrity, dead or alive, whoever. I'm going to, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say Kevin Hart because okay. I have such comfort because I know that something he's going to say is going to have me in fits of hysterics and probably Ricky Gervais only because oh. when he speaks, I think, yes, but no one else has the courage to say what he's got to say. So I think either of those two, if that's all right, Randy. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 awesome. Yeah, for sure. I just saw a new uh, Kevin Hart uh, movie uh, about being a single dad yes. on uh, Netflix. It was really good. Yeah, really good. Um, who would do the best job of solving your, your issue uh, when it came to, uh, to uh, that customer service problem? This is gonna this is gonna split your audience. I'm pretty sure, uh, and I'm not sure how how you're gonna feel about my answer either. But Deadpool, you know, um, Wade Winston Wilson, oh, because he takes no prisoners, and again, he just cuts st straight through to the point. Uh, so it's a bit of a bizarre response, but it certainly tickled me when I thought about who I would put forward. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I love Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds is awesome. Um, all right. So uh, best day. I mean, that's, that's a really, I mean, hard thing to kind of pinpoint, but what's the best day in, that you've had so far in your life? And I'm sure there's more to come. But do you know that is a really brilliant emotional intelligence question? What a brilliant question, because I had to think for a moment about the highest level of emotional happiness I felt, and it was instant. Right, right, yeah because there was a day when I had my graduation ceremony in um, the, the University of Greenwich. We were in a historic uh, landmark. We were in their old naval um, chapel. I was with my parents and my sister, and I can still feel it. It gives me goosebumps, it really does. So thank you for asking that, because yeah. it's given me an opportunity <laughs> to take myself back to that very hot day in the blistering sun in Greenwich, where we were celebrating a year and a half's worth yeah, of I mean, effort. Graduations are always on a hot day for some reason, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You're sure. always blistering sun, there's no shade. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the highlights um, 
in my life. And then, of course, later on uh, when I had kids, that was definitely one of the highlights. Yeah. All right. Um, and as uh, you go about your day and doing your job and working with clients, uh, what's what do you love about your job? Learning. So I know that I know a bit about things, but the fact that clients can ask me a question which might challenge what I've learned mm -hmm. or it might in require me to find extra resources, extra research. And I love that. I really do. I also love the fact that learning seems to be so easy these days. You know, when I did my master's dissertation, yeah. don't tell anyone, I had to write to the British Library and wait for the documents to be posted to me. Now, if I want to know something, I can find it out. So I love that. And I love the yeah. fact that my clients ask me to do quite unusual things. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, so th that's the end of the rapid fire. Thanks for, for answering those, and uh, hopefully it, uh, had some, you'll have some time afterwards to reflect on that uh, on those moments. Um, so one of the things when I was uh, doing a little research uh, on in your background, uh, you did a TEDx uh, talk around remote work and, and hybrid work. And uh, can you just tell us a little bit about that and, and uh, when that came about and what was the... Uh, the uh, inspiration around that? Sure. So I teach at a, a business school. They were applying for TEDx. I was invited to speak. And then I had this customer experience. And it was the customer experience I had that caused me to take that learning journey. The long and short of it is yeah. something went wrong. I was dealing with someone in a call center. And then I was dealing with someone who was working from home. And they were remote working. And the attitude calmness ability to navigate stuff was bizarrely contrasting from the person i spoke to in the contact center and i thought to myself i wonder just as a curious individual is there something about people working from home is it possible that they have higher levels of empathy that they have greater satisfaction that they feel better and then that took me on a journey of research. And then I came across a whole bunch of research that had been done in this space. And it turns out that people who are working in a remote first organization, which basically means intentional, this isn't about pandemic, mm -hmm. everyone needs to work from home. Actually, it's not really remote work. It's emergency working from my kitchen table because I haven't got anywhere else to go. You know, people who work okay. in remote first organizations have extraordinary skills that people who are office-based don't naturally have. And so my TEDx was basically saying, how about this in customer experience? How about if people are able, they work from home in a remote-first organization, so it's not just working from a kitchen table, perhaps yeah. the customer experience might be better. And that's what I was saying in my TEDx. And it was fascinating to go on that learning journey and to actually distill three months worth of research into 13 and a half minutes. Wow. Uh, some of the stats that you mentioned to me uh, before we got on this call uh, was from Feinstack and some of the key remote, remote work stats in 2022 were 60% uh, of companies in the world are 100% remote, yeah. no head office. That's yeah. pretty amazing. 77% mm. uh, of remote workers say they're more productive when working from home. And that's, uh, that's quite interesting. And I, I can... Uh, relate to that. Um, 
And then the last one that I thought was interesting, the three biggest challenges. Tell us about that. So, of course, when you're working remotely, there is a risk that you can't separate yourself from the work. So if you have a desk that's in a shared space, it's really difficult for you to shut off. If you have a room yeah. that you've got your your desk and your computer and you can close the door, but there's that temptation isn't there of I'm just going to or I might just do rather than if you had the journey from the office right from home. So yeah. being able to unplug, you know, that's a thing. 22% of people are affected by not being able to unplug themselves. Loneliness um, is an issue. You know, 19% of the people who were surveyed uh, in this particular research say that loneliness is a thing. And yeah. if you think about it, depending on the type of personality you are, you might be extrinsically motivated and, and, and an extrovert who loves, who actually gets energy from being in the presence of others. And then the last one is communication and collaboration. The fact that 17% of people felt it far more difficult to collaborate and communicate in the remote space. And, and so the, it's not a perfect world. The remote work is not a perfect world. But when the organization is organized and you have a set of skills, those numbers, I think, can be managed more effectively. Yeah, for sure. Interesting stats. All right, so we'll put a, a note in the show links to those uh, statistics on the findstack.com website. And now a quick break to learn more about Unifor. Using conversational AI and automation technology, Unifor helps your business turn conversations into richer experiences that drive sales, customer satisfaction, and operational efficiency. Conversations are more than just words. They're your most valuable asset. Now back to our conversation. Um, so let's go back to EI, you know, uh, emotional intelligence, and why does it play an important role in remote and hybrid working? And, that, and I, I think I know the answer, but I'd love to hear it from you, uh, what your thoughts are on that. I think it plays out in a, in a few different ways. I think the first thing is the ability to actually work remotely. So when you have the skill of emotional intelligence, and indeed your other guests have talked about the four pillars, yeah. you know, the four kind of... Um, domains of, of the model. When you have an emotional self-awareness and you're able to manage your emotions, you might not need the comfort of people around you because you can self-manage. You're actually able to modify and influence your own emotions rather than perhaps feeling panicking or, or, or anxious. So that's one thing. The second thing is the kind of emotional intelligence of the leaders and managers and this is very much around them feeling confident and able and trusting staff. So managing their own emotion about them not being within yeah. eyesight. You know, there's that thing of what I can't see, I, I don't know. So actually helping them be able to enable and empower people to work from home. And then the final thing is the ability for the organization to be emotionally intelligent. So to be grounded in what people need and to be curious and receptive to what people need to be productive. So if you think about it for a second, you, you kind of have hybrid in a number of ways. You have hybrid where mm. people have to come in one day a week or people have to come in a week out of a month or people are told which days to come in or they can organize themselves. I believe, and there is some research to say, that people who have higher levels of emotional intelligence 
feel more comfortable with people making their own decisions because they trust that people know how they're most productive. And those that don't have those high levels of emotional intelligence perhaps go down the route of feeling like they need more control, they need more visibility. And I guess that would be an interesting one for your listeners to consider and think, actually, there is something in this, or perhaps they don't agree. Yeah, I know that'd be interesting. Uh, If you guys are are, are tuning in right now and want to comment on this uh, topic, um, definitely hit us up at at Unifor on uh, on the Twitterverse, or you can email us at podcast at unifor.com. I think emotional intelligence uh, as a leader is is a necessary skill set, is necessary to to lead a team. Uh, If you haven't gone through those exercises, uh, then you almost set yourself up for, for failure and your team for failure. Um, and not everybody's in the same stage of their learnings around emotional intelligence, right? That's, that's very true. And, and, you know, I commend everyone who continues on that journey. You know, I have been, I've known about it. I've been practicing it for years, but my goodness, I still have the odd day. You can speak to my 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 uh, my partner's kids. They'll tell you <laughs> where there, there are days <laughs> when I'm not able to manage my emotions quite so well. Uh, but you know, but oh, yeah, but the yeah, fact sure. is, ultimately, when you're a, when you are able to listen, when you're able yeah. to tune in to the non-verbal, even in language, noticing a difference in some of the tone, just being present. I know that's such a kind of cliche but when you're present but still but yeah but but when you're present especially in hybrid and remote you're going to spot things and you're just going to ask randy everything okay today yeah you'll spot stuff no for sure yeah i mean i I lead a team uh, that's that's remote and so uh it's hard to i mean i haven't met one of my employees in person um but which is hard, but, uh, you know, I interviewed him remotely and, uh, we do our weekly chats and we, we talk, um, pretty frequently, but it's, it's still hard, right. Um, to know what he really feels. And so, um, I hope, and he's probably listening in, uh, I hope that he, uh, has noticed that, uh, that I'm trying and, and that I'm trying to make sure that I am as empathetic and, and communicate as best as possible. Um, so other skills uh, that you think those that are within the, uh, that are in the remote space and uh, hybrid space um, can leverage, uh, can, can learn um, in terms of emotional intelligence skills? So one of the things that came out from the research that I was doing when I was preparing for my TEDx is a piece of work that a mother and son team did. They identified mm. eight key skills. And actually, when you map those on the emotional intelligence skills, there's a remarkable kind of connection between them. I want to just pick out a few from those eight. I'm not going to go through all eight. I'm just going to talk about communication being one. Now, in the world of remote and hybrid, there's a term called over communication. They are making sure that they have made things categorically clear. They're reading things back. They're making sure that there will be no misunderstanding so they'll either have a meeting and quickly follow up with some bullet points or they'll leave a voice message and do something else so the skill and i know that we all know this communication is like number one for everything 
But there are certain yeah. things that remote first people do, which we don't do in the office. We take certain, certain things for granted. So they're using very different channels and they're reinforcing the message. They'll tell you something. They'll tell you something again. They might just summarize it one more time. So it's crystal clear. One other thing to draw on is curiosity and critical thinking. Now, we know from a really brilliant Harvard Business Review article, which I'll, I'll give you the link for uh, the show notes, yeah, please. where curiosity is underrated. And in actual fact, some research has shown that curiosity prevents conflict because you're genuinely interested and you're curious to know rather than that little A word, assumption. Assumption makes an ass of me and you, right? That's the way it is. So curiosity, critical thinking, communication, and then I guess empathy <laughs> yeah. was massive from the research that was done by this mother and son team. And that is empathy, not only for colleagues and customers, but also being kind and listening into yourself, knowing when you're overtired, knowing when you need to take a break um, and really being present for others and not jumping to conclusions on how other people feel you can't do that you can't do that especially in the remote space i had a question uh that i read online uh is compassion the same as empathy that is a great question so i would say <laughs> i would say it's not oh, wait for it uh, i would say it's not i would say that compassion can be demonstrated without words is what I would say. I would say that you can be compassionate yeah. in the things that you do. You don't need to say anything at all. Um, but I'm about to contradict myself. Are you ready, Randy? Because actually there are three <laughs> levels. So if we look at the three different types of empathy, there is the cognitive empathy. I think I know what you're feeling. Great. I've clocked it. There's the emotional empathy where I perceive that I'm feeling something similar to you. It won't be identical, but something similar. And then there's compassionate empathy, which is when you act on the thing that you think you have sensed. So in customer experience, we talk a lot about um, compassionate empathy being the best choice because it's all very well me saying, yeah, Randy, I totally get it. I know exactly how you feel, but I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Absolutely no use whatsoever. If I said to you, Andy, I totally understand how you're feeling. This is what I'm going to do. Then actually, that's a much better conclusion. So let's park the definition of empathy for a minute and those three. I would say that empathy yeah. is about asking great questions. And that would be anything from how are you feeling? How do you view that? It seems to me that this might be happening. Would that be right? You know, lots of encouraging questions to get yeah. from you an idea of how you're feeling whereas compassion could be just doing something acting in a way without words yeah interesting all right that's, that's a great uh side-by-side -side comparison side-by-side -side definition all right um let's get to the part of the podcast where we like to call it fact or fiction and uh, i've uh traverse the interwebs looking for a couple of questions uh one is from grant herbert on twitter um grant r herbert so thanks uh for allowing us to curate your content um so 
his tweet was the root cause of issues in working with others typically stems from your own identity. So is that a fact or fiction? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's fact. I think it's fact because ultimately how you show up and how you think you show up is kind of the benchmark for how you perceive everybody else's behavior. Huh? But I would like to add something to that. Yeah. And I would like to say that when we receive data, when we receive signals from people, Sometimes we think that it's our fault, it's our identity that is causing that person to react that way. And we take things personally. And I'm here to say that actually it's that individual's identity and some, you have done something, but it's, it's them. It's up to them to understand what emotion they felt and to manage their emotion. So I do agree with it, but I think there's a second bit to tag on. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we'll make sure to reply back uh, to Grant on that one. Uh, the next tweet that we uh, curated uh, around emotional intelligence was from Jen McCarran. Sorry if I didn't pronounce your name right. Uh, legal ops and tech exec at Netflix. She hosts a Clock Talk podcast. So C-L-O-C, and look it up. And her tweet was, it should come as no surprise to companies that 90% of Gen Z say they're more likely to stay with an empathetic employer. I mean, duh. Centering emotional intelligence in the workplace is absolutely vital to winning and retaining great talent. Uh, and her Twitter handle is at Savage Fridays, which I love that Twitter handle. Um, so let's talk about uh, EQ and emotional intelligence. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on, on that particular uh, tweet? I think she's, she's on it. Um... Everything that I've read, everything I see, the age group that I teach are absolutely this this particular grouping. Things have changed. Yeah. What an organization stands for, how an organization treats its people, how an organization lives out its purpose is so much more significant now than ever. The meaningful yeah. work that people can do. I mean, Cynic, Simon Sinek uh, had a quote a number of years ago now about purpose over paycheck. Whether we believe that or not, the fact is that if people are in a job where the organization isn't listening, doesn't recognize them, and doesn't give them the opportunity to progress in whatever way they need to progress, they are leaving you because... Yeah. They're not, they ain't got time to muck about. They've got lots of things they need to do. They have more information than ever. They have more choices mm -hmm. than ever. It's yep. incredible. So I do think that organizations that are demonstrating, and this isn't a whole greenwash thing or, or whitewash or whatever you want to call it, you have to do yeah. what you say you're doing. If you are sustainable and environmental, if you are giving people opportunities yeah. to grow and to learn, then you will get and you will keep the talent. Otherwise, forget it. Yeah, yeah, very true. All right. Um, so definitely, we'll, we'll, we'll look up that Simon Sinek uh, purpose over paycheck. I love that uh, that, that quote and um, his. I love his content. Um, so uh, 
you know, thanks uh, for sharing your wisdom around EQ and how it relates to remote and, and hybrid work. I think it's super valuable. Uh, I think some of our audience that are sales and revenue leaders that are doing a lot of virtual selling, a lot of remote meetings um, are going to hopefully find value in this. Um, and even within the contact center space, uh, as we know, a lot of people are, are doing remote work uh, as well. Um, so uh, before we, uh, before we uh, uh, cut it off here, uh, I wanted to give you the airwaves and let people know how they find out more about you and what you offer. So uh, let us know. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm, I'm hanging out on LinkedIn almost every day. I think that is, <laughs> that, right. that is my, if I've got advice, that is definitely my advice. <laughs> yeah. So you can find me um, on LinkedIn. I think I'm CXEI Sandra. So customer experience, emotional intelligence, CXEI Sandra. Um, and also my website that has a whole bunch of stuff about what I do, which is www.eievolution.com. Um, but really, the conversation goes on uh, in LinkedIn. I'm trying to add value to other people's posts, um, and I'm trying to tell stories and share knowledge. And yeah, yeah. just, you know, we know, don't we, that people who practice the skill of emotional intelligence are happier, healthier. That ripple sure. effect has got to crack on. And even the quote you've given, Randy, you know, the new generations coming through, they're expecting it. So let's get with it. Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree. It's definitely something that every organization should have as a standard onboarding and, and a requirement even before you join. So, um, you know, thanks so much for, for the time today. Uh, I know that we're going to continue the conversation on the Unifor blog. You're going to provide some more advice and counsel uh, to our audience. Uh, yeah. So everyone make sure to stay tuned for that. And yeah. if you have any other questions for Sandra, definitely hit it up on LinkedIn uh, or you can um, hit us up at podcast at unifor.com. So Sandra, thanks again for your time today. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been a delight. All right, everyone. Well, thanks again for joining the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm your host, Randy Ksar. And as always, we want your feedback. So make sure to email podcast at unifor.com or rate and review us on your favorite podcast directory. Have a wonderful day and stay tuned for another episode on Conversations That Matter where we, talk, where we dive into more around emotional intelligence. Have a great day. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversations That Matter. Subscribe to our podcast for more great content. And if you want to learn more about the topic we discussed, visit unifor.com today. <laughs>